Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Jeremiah stood up. He had been communing with Yahweh in prayer, praying and listening and hearing what the Lord wanted him to do and and what the Lord wanted him to prophesy. But when he stood up this time, he looked up to the sky and said, Really? Is this really what you want me to do? Well, I guess I better go to my local Walmart, buy myself some underwear, and pack my bags, because we're going on a long journey, thought Jeremiah. Underwear? A long trip ahead for Jeremiah? What in the world are we talking about here? See, in the Bible, God uses any means to try to reach his people, Israel, and And he would send prophet after prophet to warn Israel, or he would send plague or disaster or some other act of judgment to try to wake his people up. And sometimes, if the people were still unwilling to listen, hard of heart, God would use what is called symbolic action, or or I like to call them a visual parable, to try to help his people understand, to try to get them to listen. And today... We're going to hear two of them. We're going to look at four overall, but we're going to look at two of them that God asked Jeremiah to do. And the first one is quite the doozy. See, God asked Jeremiah to go to the local store and buy some underwear. Well, probably not underwear. Some translations say underwear, but many of them also say sash, and that is probably the better translation, a linen sash or belt that wrapped around the waist of the wearer. So Jeremiah went and bought one, and then he wore it, and he wore it. He wore it when he went to teach at the school of the prophets. He wore it when he 
Went to watch Jerusalem FC play and lose again because they probably weren't the best team in the world. He also wore it when he went to take his camels for their weekly camel wash. He wore it everywhere. And then God came to him and asked him to do one final thing with the sash. God asked him to take it and go bury it in the banks of the Euphrates River. Now, the Euphrates River was over 600 to 700 miles away round trip. In other words, to get there and back, you'd have to walk six to 700 miles. The Euphrates River was about 350 miles away, one way. And to do that, it would have taken him six weeks to get there and back. Plus, this was supposed to be a sign to the people of Israel, a way that Yahweh spoke to his people, the people right there, not people 350 miles away. So how would this be a sign if God wanted Jeremiah to go bury a linen belt in the banks of a river over 350 miles away? Well, there is another town only three miles away that has the same spelling as the word Euphrates. The town is called Parath. And in Hebrew, the spelling for to para and to Euphrates are identical. So many people believe what God actually asked Jeremiah to do was to go to the town of Parath and bury his linen sash in a muddy, icky bank there. And remember, this is symbolic, right? So by using a place close to home, the the people were able to observe Jeremiah's actions. And then as they walked towards the town, the similarity of the name would remind the people of the Euphrates River and the Babylonian Empire and the nation that was going to have the army that might come to destroy them, and they'd tie it all together in a beautiful way. So Jeremiah walks about three miles to the town of Parath, and there he found a muddy bank by a river and buried his linen sash. And then Jeremiah got busy. He got busy prophesying and doing the work of the Lord. Months passed, and the linen just sat in the mud. It got dirty, and worms probably ate some of the linen. The, the icky juice in the mud just began to wear down and destroy the linen cloth. It got grosser and grosser, ickier and ickier as it sat in the mud of that bank. And then... Sometime later, God tells Jeremiah, Get up and go get it. And so he did. And probably before he went, he went to the town square and told all the people of the town to follow him because he had something to show them. He asked the elders and the priests and all the leaders of Judah to come follow him. And so they follow him to Parath and Again, this town Parath sounds a lot like the Babylonian river Euphrates, and the people are thinking that and making that connection. And, and then they follow Jeremiah to this muddy bank of a river, and, and there he, he sticks his hand into the mud and finds where he hid it, and he pulls this long piece of linen cloth out, and he holds it up, and it looks 
terrible. It's got holes in it. It's lost any of its beauty. It doesn't tie well. It looks nasty and gross. It's covered in mud. And then Jeremiah turns to the watching people and holds this linen cloth above his head and says, This is how God now sees his people Israel. Disgusting. And of little use. And he probably went on to say, you know, that this belt could have been a beautiful thing around my waist. And as long as it clung to me, you know, it was useful. But when I put it in this bank and left it alone and the dirt started to destroy it, well, now it's useless, disgusting, and completely useless for anybody to wear. And Jeremiah says, this is how God now sees you. If you had clung to me, Israel, if you had clung to Yahweh, if you had followed me and me alone instead of other gods, you would have been useful for years to come and we would have done wonderful things. But now, just like this nasty, gross linen cloth, You are absolutely useless to me because you have departed from following me and started to serve false gods. So, the first symbolic act, the first visual parable can be summed up like this. You should have clung to me. You should have clung to me like the linen sash clung to Jeremiah. But now... Like this nasty sash, you are utterly useless to me. Man, that's quite the visual parable. And it all took place in the town called Parath, which sounds a lot like to Euphrates, which sounds a lot like in the people's minds, Babylon and the growing threat of Nebuchadnezzar and his army. And I think the people would have started to get worried. What did we do? And is there a coming judgment? So later on, God asks Jeremiah to do another symbolic act or a visual parable. See, one day God asks Jeremiah to go to the local potter's shop. And he wants him to go there and watch the man make a clay pot. So Jeremiah does. See, back in Jeremiah's day, clay pots were a needed commodity and were abundant in use. They were used everywhere. Where we have plastic today, they had clay pots. They used clay pots to store grain, to store food, to store drink, and a whole host of other things. Each town had their own Tupper clay dealer who sold a whole bunch of clay pots in different shapes and sizes, you know, and probably held parties in his home. So clay pots, if they were in high demand, you know there had to be people who made them, and lots of them, and these people were known as potters. And they had potter shops where you could go watch them make clay pots and then buy one for yourself. Well, God asked Jeremiah to go visit one of these shops. And so, Jeremiah went to his local potter's shop. And 
walks in the door and, and he walks over and he sees one of the potters. There's probably three or four working away because they had a lot of clay pots to make. And so he probably went over and found one and just started watching him. And, and, and he watched the potter take some clay and throw it onto the wheel and then begin to center that clay into the center of the wheel and then begin to form that clay into what he wants it to be. It's interesting. In Jeremiah's day, there were two types of potter's wheels. There was the slow wheel, which was turned by hand, and you would do intricate work on that one. And then there's the fast wheel, which is more common. And this fast wheel consisted of an upper stone wheel that held the clay and a larger stone wheel that was lower and that the potter would spin with his or her feet. The potter would throw the clay onto the wheel, and then he'd start spinning with that lower, larger wheel, and then the upper wheel would spin, and then the potter would begin to work his or her magic, and they would shape it into beautiful things, into a pot or a mug or a plate or whatever he wanted. And so Jeremiah is watching this, and and on this particular day, he saw the potter work really hard on a clay pot. He shaped it and moved it and formed the clay. And then flaws started to develop in the pot, and it didn't work at all. So the potter took it apart, this pot, with all its flaws. He mushed it back into its original form and began to rework it into something completely different. And it's something different and even more beautiful than when he started without any flaws. It was brilliant. Jeremiah is just marveling at the potter's skill. And then I imagine he hears God whisper in Jeremiah's ear. God whispers this phrase, this thought, this truth. He says to Jeremiah, the way the potter works with the clay is the way Israel is to me. It says in Jeremiah 18, verse 6, House of Israel, can I not treat you as this potter treats his clay? Just like clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. God goes on to tell Jeremiah that if he wanted to bless Israel, and they instead chose to sin and ignore the Lord, which they're doing, then he can also choose to not bless and instead punish the very people he was planning to bless and take that clay and create it into something else. But the reverse is true as well. If, if a people he was planning to punish for their sins repents and changes, then God can relent and choose to bless them instead. And God wanted Jeremiah to go and to tell the people of Israel that if they quit sinning, God will bless them. Here we have this clay. And if Israel would let God form them, he could take their flaws. He could take their failures. God is a creator God. And if Israel would just become subservient clay, and Isaiah talks about how the clay has no right to talk to the potter. Hey, don't form me this. I don't want to be formed that way. No, I want to be formed this way. No, I want to be done that. No, the clay has no right to talk to the creator, the potter. And if Israel would just allow God to work and shape it, 
and allow themselves to be soft and supple clay, God could form them and shape them into something beautiful. If they would repent and change, this creator God could take the clay of their lives and shape them into something wonderful. And it's true for us, right? Some of you are like, nope, I want to be this way. Nope, I want to do this. Nope, I, I'm, I'm going to be my own person, my own thing. And God says, if you would just let me shape you. But it all starts with repenting, allowing yourselves to come under the hands of the Creator God, who will then take the clay of your lives, shape you into something beautiful. And many of the people listening to this podcast your testimony to the fact of what God can do with a life submitted to him, the clay of your life that God took and shaped into something beautiful. You can testify to that. Well, there's a second part to this visual parable, and that's the actual clay pot. So God commands Jeremiah to buy a clay pot. And then he heads towards Jerusalem and he asks for all the elders and the priests and the people to follow him. And he takes them outside the walls of Jerusalem to a place called the Hinnom Valley. Now, is Hinnom Valley? It was an evil place. It, it was a place that stood as a witness against the people. Because in this valley, it contained all the high places to other gods. Altars built on the sides of the valley, burning with flames and incense and altars to other gods. And the people would have seen that behind Jeremiah as he's standing in front of him, holding this clay pot. And not only that, they would have seen the place or the places where child sacrifice took place. Child sacrifice took place in the Hinnom Valley. And there Jeremiah is standing with a clay pot, and I can imagine he's holding this clay pot above his head, and behind him are all these scenes of deprivation, and the people would have realized, you know, that's a pagan altar, that's a pagan altar, that's a place where evil things like child sacrifice take place and then they would have looked and saw Jeremiah and this evil child sacrifice the slaughtering of the innocent and these other altars to pagan gods this and the sacrifices to him was still going on and there Jeremiah with that scene as a backdrop holds the clay pot above his head and then Jeremiah begins to speak, and he prophesies doom and destruction for Judah and for Israel. He preached and told them of the impending judgment to come because they chose to follow other gods, because they chose to practice detestable things. Jeremiah 19 verses 3 through 5 says this, this is what? The Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, I am going to bring such a disaster on this place that everyone who hears about it will shudder because they have abandoned me and made this a foreign place. 
They've burned incense in it to other gods that they, their ancestors, and the kings of Judah have never known. They have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built high places to bail on which to burn their children in the fire as burnt offerings to bail something I have never commanded or mentioned. I never entertained the thought. And then Jeremiah ends with these words, Therefore, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when this place will no longer be called Topheth and Ben-Hinnom Valley, but Slaughter Valley. I will spoil the plans of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies, by the hand of those who intend to take their life. I will provide their corpses as food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land. I will make this city desolate an object of scorn. Everyone who passes by it will be appalled and scoff because of all its wounds. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters, and they will eat each other's flesh in the distressing siege inflicted on them by their enemies who intend to take their life. Jeremiah 19, 6 through 9. And he ends his speech, and he holds the clay pot above his head, and then he throws it into the ground. And that clay pot shatters into hundreds of different pieces. And that shattered clay pot, that represented what was about to happen to the people of Judah. Judah was going to be shattered like that clay pot. But they still had a chance. They could repent and allow their creator God form them into something else like the previous symbol. They could humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, but God knew they wouldn't. God knew they loved their other gods too much. They loved all the ways and sensual ways of worshiping these other gods, and they loved the activity and all the pleasure it provided more than they loved Yahweh. And so, even though God was gracious and offered them hope and grace and reconciliation, instead the people of Judah chose to be shattered into a million little pieces. Jeremiah stood there with shards of clay pot everywhere all over the floor and the elders and the rulers of the people of Israel staring at him. I think the, that visual symbol finally got into their minds the, the fear of the judgment to come. But sadly they didn't change. This symbolic action, this visual parable, I think can be summed up this way. Repent, or you will be shattered. Let the God who created you reshape you into something beautiful, or, or choose instead to follow the path you're on, which will end in death and destruction. Turn from your path and turn back to God. 
Turn away from evil and turn to good. You have a choice, Israel. Which turn are you going to make? And that word turn is something that Jeremiah used skillfully throughout this whole book. And he uses it in many ways. But ultimately, he says, Israel, are you going to turn to God? Or are you going to turn away from God? You have a choice. Are you going to turn towards the potter who shapes you? Or are you going to turn towards this, this pot that is shattered? And that message is still true today. Some of you listening to this podcast have never actually decided to follow Jesus. You've never turned towards him. Oh, outwardly, you go to church and you do the things you should do, but your heart's never turned towards God. I just want to encourage you, get saved today. Turn towards him. Start following him. Repent. And God is a gracious God who will accept you. Be a follower of Jesus today. Turn towards him. Please do not turn away and follow self. Follow the God of self and follow the, the other gods that, that say, hey, follow me instead. They're out there. I encourage you instead to turn towards the living creator God who is the only God who offers you hope and life and a future and joy. Two symbolic actions, two visual parables God asked Jeremiah to do. But next week, we're going to look at two more. You thought the first one was quite the doozy. Hear all about Jeremiah and a big wooden thing he's got to carry around. What is it? Come back next week to find out. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week. 